Hi, everybody. Welcome to another Real Estate Sessions Rewind episode. This time, we're going back to June 2nd, 2020, and we're going to listen to Cliff Long. Cliff is the CEO of the Orlando Regional Realtor Association, better known as Aura, and I had a blast talking to Cliff. He's got a great story. He's full of energy. Uh, you're going to love this. So enjoy this episode. Cheers. When, when this happens, whether it be the government, a lot of times people think we need to go out and do something. There's nothing you can do in an act of God. There's nothing you go out and affect. You didn't have the power to start it, and you don't have the power to finish it. But what you do have is the power to conduct and control yourself in the midst of it. You're listening to The Real Estate Sessions. I'm your host, Bill Risser. Listen in as I interview leaders in our industry, getting their stories and their journeys to the world of real estate. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 240 of The Real Estate Sessions podcast. As always, thank you so much for tuning in and thank you so much for telling a friend. Today, I'm going to be talking to Cliff Long, the CEO of the Orlando Regional Realtors Association, a 16,000-member board in the Orlando area. This is the audio of a webinar I did for the Orlando District of Fidelity National Title, where we interviewed Cliff to kind of get his story to figure out where he came from, and also then to talk a lot about what's happening today in the market, how did the board handle the pandemic, and I think you'll find that Cliff is very passionate about what he does for a living. So let's get started. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to talk to you. I've interviewed about 10 or maybe 10 or 12 CEOs of associations, whether it's, you know, local, state, you know, and it's always fun because you have a very interesting job. And yeah. so we're going to, we're going to get deep into that, get a lot of information out of you and, and talk about what's happening here today in Orlando. So, but first I got to find out where you're from. Are, are you a native of Florida? No, I've lived in Florida for well over 20 years now. I was actually born and raised in little old Montgomery, Alabama. Awesome. Um, I yeah. was born there. My family's been there for generations now. Uh, they all migrated there at one point in time, but I was I was raised there, went to school there. Montgomery is home. Most people in the real estate industry, and I think you know this, it wasn't like on their radar when they're growing up, right? No. <laughs> no. no. So I want to know, 15-year-old Cliff, what were you thinking? What were you going to do? 15-year-old Cliff was a very good athlete. He was a very good student. And he was uh, thinking that he would probably be a doctor or play professional sports. I was really good at uh, football and baseball. And uh, so those were my part-time things. And at that time of life, my mother was trying to make sure I was well-rounded so she wouldn't let me play football unless I took piano lessons. So I was... Uh, don't tell it. I know this is broadcasting, but yeah. I was forced to take piano lessons and ballet. So, um, yeah, wow. every Tuesday and Thursday, mom made me take ballet stunts and tumbling before football practice. And it was the only way I was going to get to play football was if I played piano and um, was in the band. And my mother was a teacher. So arts and okay. things of that nature were intrinsic to her as well. So I was dreaming of being a doctor one day and also playing professional football. Didn't have a care in the world and certainly didn't know anything about a realtor. Can okay, we just yeah. pause here for a minute, Bill? Yeah. Like all I can picture is, is Cliff as a ballerina. <laughs> well, I, I want to <laughs> know this. I out of my mind. <laughs> you had to take some grief from guys on the team. I'm just guessing. Teenagers, oh, no, I, teenage. No one knew. I know. <laughs> 
biggest kept secret. I've never talked about it. It's been 40 something years. And you guys are the first to hear this in Florida. Yes. I never talk about that. Have my friends talking about ballet or piano lessons. None of that stuff. No. We will definitely take that. And it might turn into a meme, Cliff. I'm just thinking. We could have some no, fun. No, no we'll no, be no, nice. No. We'll be nice. Okay, you got it. You got it. <laughs> Every so often, I will shock somebody. You walk into a room and there's a piano there. It's a high class event. People are drinking wine and hors d'oeuvres are being served. And uh, I'll walk over to the piano and play something and shock the world. Uh, but I don't do it often because when I get more than you know 30 seconds into the song, I've forgotten the rest. Okay. <laughs> That's awesome. So, now, yeah. one other thing I dug up about you is um, you're my first guest that went to Alabama State. That's right. You're a hornet. You're a hornet, right? A lot of people don't know about the hornets. Alabama State University started in 1865 as Alabama Normal School in Montgomery, Alabama. So it's an HBCU, Historically Black College and University. I was destined to go there always. Um, my mother went there, my sister went there, my dad went there, my six aunts went there, um, my grandmother went there before it was Alabama State when it was just the normal school. I'm a legacy student. Wow. So I was literally on campus at the early childhood center uh, or pre-K when I was four, five, six years old. So I would, and my aunt at the time was the uh, principal of the pre-K on campus at the college. So um there's never, ever been any doubt. I was accepted to a lot of universities um, and they didn't mind me going a semester or two to Auburn or something like that. But in my family, everyone's always gone to that college. And like I said, my dad used his GI Bill and his money to put six sisters through school wow. and they were all teachers and they went to Alabama State University as well. So it was destiny that I was going to be at that organization. Yeah. Well, a real quick shout out for the uh, basketball or uh, team. Mo Williams, I saw. Mo, got signed no, as a coach. Yeah, I know Mo. This is my generation <laughs> coming in now. So all the coaches, <laughs> all the people, these are people I actually played with. I feel so old. You know, like That's, the no, it's a good thing. You know, when you go to your old hometown and you feel like you let everybody down, the mayor uh, and I are best friends. We grew up together and the mayor before that and all the people who are city councilors and county. These are my high school friends. And they're like, Cliff, where are you? Orlando. You know, uh, <laughs> and they're all mayors and state representatives and senators and stuff like that. But it's all good. It's all great. That's great. I love that. Well, you're so important to us. You're important to mm -hmm. us, Cliff. Susan, yeah, I well. love you. Thank you so <laughs> much. It's okay because they call me when they need a job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So let's, we got to get you to Orlando, the Orlando Regional Realtor Association. I think we come by way of Birmingham, right? So let's, let's kind of figure out how, how we get you here so we can start asking the other questions. So the story is quite unique. I do come by way of Birmingham, but by Florida. So back in 1999, okay. I was a business manager uh, and account executive for Bell South. And a lot of people remember the phone company, yeah. at and mm -hmm. I yep. worked for Bell South and they promoted me and sent me uh, to Bell South business. And I was given charge of the panhandle for Bell South as a very young, successful businessman. Um, I developed a knack for it when I was in Montgomery. So I worked with Bell South in Montgomery and they promoted me and they sent me to Florida for the first time in 99 and 2000. 
So uh, I had everything from Escambia County to Duval. The entire panhandle of Florida was my region. And God bless me. And I was tremendously successful. I think in terms of growing your accounts, I was number two in Florida, number five in the nation. We were really growing. We were installing the first voiceover IP. It's common now. Every phone is that. But we were putting in voiceover IP, growing the hospital networks, Baptist Hospital, Sacred Hospital. I mean, we were just really cooking and booking. Then something happened called 9-11. 9-11 happened. I remember the day the vice president of Bell South called me in and he said, Cliff, we really love you. Uh, we know we just moved you here, but we got to let you go. Now, you can stay at the company, but you can't stay here because companies like that unionized were based on seniority. So mm -hmm. there was a woman there who had a whole lot more seniority than me, and they said, you can go to either uh, Miami or New Orleans, a major market, but this small market in Pensacola is not going to sustain you. So um, I had a decision to make, and I had just gotten married at that time, and I had a brand new son, and he had just moved from uh, Birmingham to be with me in Florida. And the teachers were saying, uh, Cliff, we don't think it's in the best interest of your kids to move again. They're struggling. They just met you, you know, and um, now you're talking about uprooting them again. So I had a choice and I took a severance package and I left the job of a lifetime. I was literally being mentored by the chief diversity officer in Atlanta. I knew I was going to be in the C-suite of AT&T. I'd already been identified. They are going to pull me up. Uh, I was going to have the office with the, the, the brass doors at the tower downtown Atlanta. My life was where I wanted it to be. I had the AT&T gold uh, American Express card. I was flying all over the world. <laughs> I'm serious. I was, they told me I'd been promoted more times than any other minority in the company's history inside of a couple of years. My career was on fire. And then all of a sudden this whole daddy thing jumped in and they said, you gotta, you gotta make a choice. So I took a severance package and resigned my position with AT&T. Um, it was rough. It was very rough. I'm not going to lie. I, I, I paint no rosy picture. I lost everything because I was very young. And I, I did, I'd walk around with two or $3,000 in my pocket. I didn't know anything about financial literacy because I grew up with a silver spoon in my mouth. I always gone to college. I always had anything. I was groomed to be the CEO. I, was, I, I don't have that story to tell this Bill that I came from a, a school of hard knocks and things were tough for me and all that. Right. It was never tough for me. I'm not going to tell somebody else's sob story. I wouldn't know what the ghetto looked like. My mama made sure that I had the best of everything. I, at 15 and 16, I was I went to Europe to uh, study for the summer. I was in Toledo, Spain, and London, and, and Paris. I've been all over the world by the time I was 16 because my mom wanted to raise me in a better environment than she'd raised my older brother who come up through civil rights. You understand what I mean? So yeah. she made sure I had the best of both worlds. I was bred to be an executive. So here we are now on tough times. I lost everything, the house, the car, and you got to be remade again. And mm -hmm. at that time you, you learn who you are. And I'll fast forward that story some, um, because it was, there did come a time when I needed to learn how to, empathize with the next guy. I needed to learn what it was like to be down because I'd always been up. And 
I fought through it. I got not one but two jobs. I learned that everybody that makes six figures at 27 years old, and I worked my butt off. I got myself an insurance license, and when I got the insurance license, I started selling life insurance like they just invented it. I was so thankful <laughs> for my second trip. I was knocking on doors, going to people's houses, anything to feed my family because I had lost it all, and they trusted me. And so I was learning what it's like to lose it all, what it's like to not have anything. And so by day, I was selling insurance. And then by night, I put my boots on and my jeans. And I went and worked for UPS. And I scuffled and scraped and clawed my way back up out the hole, back up out of the old beat-up townhouse I was living in now with the rats in the back. And, and I started volunteering at church. And when I started volunteering, I decided, hey, I'm going to give my life to God again. I want to have some substance. And I started volunteering. When I volunteered, uh, my pastor at the time said, Brother Cliff, you know, you've got all this energy and business acumen. We want to start a CDC, a community development corporation, and we want to do affordable housing and community redevelopment. And so I was like, okay, I don't know anything about affordable housing or campaigns or politics, but I'll do whatever you want me to do. Mm -hmm. And so I did it. And all of a sudden, one day... Uh, Jeb Bush was hiring and the qualifications that Jeb Bush was looking for this is I'm dating us now back in 06 07 well you're dating you not us you're dating this is your story not ours uh, you know, I'm the youngest was, one here so <laughs> all right Melody all right well the governor was looking for a spokesperson and that qualifications that he was looking for was someone that knew insurance and housing man I was number 80 of 80 people interviewed and I showed up two hours late for the interview. And so I'm sitting there in the lobby and they're trying to, there's the director of the Department of Financial Services who at that time worked for Tom Gallagher, if y'all remember, CFO Gallagher. And they're sitting there and they're laughing at me. They got me out in the lobby. They're like, look at this jerk who showed up two hours late. And he thinks that we're gonna hire him. And, and, but I had got everything screwed up between Central and Eastern time. Remember, <laughs> I was just off, it was an innocent mistake. So I'm sitting there in the lobby, but while I'm there in any state organization, they got all their brochures on the wall, everything. And so for two hours, I'm sitting there and I read everything that they have on insurance and fire and state fire marshal and everything. So just to satisfy, they said, come on in, let's give this guy an interview. Now, remember, I'm number 80. They said, they didn't even give me a real interview, Bill. They said, give us a speech on insurance. <laughs> what you do that for? My minor was public speaking, <laughs> and I had just read everything on the wall for two hours. I told them more about the state of Florida and its services than they knew. I had it all memorized. They hired me on the spot after being wow. late. I go, the next thing I know, I'm meeting the governor, I'm meeting the CFO, they're falling in love, and I'm running the Department of Financial Services, and just imagine in your mind how a movie plays out. Today I'm speaking on behalf of CFO Tom Gallagher. Today I'm speaking on behalf of CFO Alex Saint. Today I'm speaking on behalf of CFO Jeff Atwater. Today I'm speaking on behalf of Governor Bush. Today I'm speaking on behalf of uh, Governor Scott. And, my, and because I stayed out of politics, my life is just rolling on, rolling on, until one day I get a phone call from one of the former uh, leaders of the state saying, Cliff, what are you doing? And I said, I'm still sitting here. And she said, the gig is up. It's time for you to leave uh, the, the Florida Department of Financial Services. And I said, I like it here, but I was always a tremendously loyal person. And I'll leave names out because these people are very prominent lobbyists and people you will know. 
And so she said, uh, she was my mentor. She said, I said, well, where am I going? She said, you're going to the realtors. And I said, I am? She said, yeah. And she said, I want you to send your resume to this person, this person. You're way overqualified. You're running a state office. They're looking for a government affairs director. And so I said, well, okay. I sent my resume to the realtors and I can remember when they, they came back and they offered me the job. And so now the, it's around 2008 or nine. It's a dark room. I'm sitting in Tallahassee and I'm cutting this story off. I'm sitting in Tallahassee. And I don't know if you guys remember Alex Sink. Um, she's a former deputy CFO. CFO Sink's awarding me uh, the, the uh, state productivity, Davis Productivity Award. And I look at her and I say, CFO Sink. She said, yes, Cliff. And I said, um, in the politics now, politics is getting ready to start playing in my life. She said, uh, I said, CFO Sink, I got to let you know something. I've been offered a job from the realtors. It pays about 15000 more a year than you're paying. But I really like uh, working for you. She's getting ready to run for governor against Rick Scott. And um, I said, I'd like to continue working for you. Will you, you know, hire me? And CFO Sink looks at me in that dark night in Tallahassee. She said, Cliff. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, you take that job. And I said, why? I like working for you. And she said, a recession's coming. And remember, she'd been the former president of Bank of America. She mm -hmm. said, a recession's coming. And I'm not going to be giving raises. I'm going to be laying people off. And I said, really? She, I took that job two weeks later. She got rid of my position statewide. And wow. uh, ever since then, I, I took over as government affairs director for the realtors uh, in the Panhandle and the Emerald Coast Association. I was there a couple of years and the CEO there resigned to take a position back down here in South Florida in, or in the Central Florida area. The board of directors came to me and said, Cliff, you've been our face all these years. Will you step up and be CEO? I took the job as CEO. I lived us through the BP oil spill. This is not my first disaster. I've had situations where my members were out of work before, much worse than this. And we had to lobby the Obama-Feinberg administration to get money for realtors in the panhandle. I've seen much worse than COVID in my realtor environment. So we lobbied the realtors through the panhandle. They gave me a contract. But then I got this wild hair up my butt that my mama needs me and I need to go back to Alabama. And the Birmingham Association was looking for a new CEO. So I applied for the job and, and they gave it to me. And I was in Birmingham for five years. And then let me tell you, you just realize you ain't from Alabama no more. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you'd seen Florida, huh? You'd seen Florida. I Florida. I give, and you know, <laughs> politics, I've been in lobbying and government affairs. You can take the most right wing, staunch Republican here in Florida. They can be against everything. And you put them in Alabama. They call that a liberal. <laughs> you know, you just realize, because when you grow up in it, you don't realize it. But once I was there, I was like, whoa, you know, I love my people, but we got some, some stuff going on around here. And I started missing the sand and the sea and the water. Remember, I've been at the beach for 15 years, literally. And I was like, I'm, you know, I ain't going to sit here and fight these battles. I'm going back to Orlando, Florida specific. And so when Orlando's uh, CEO decided she was going to retire, I had to have the job. And that's my career in a nutshell. Lord teaching me lessons and regrowing and learning who I am. Mm -hmm. And that's it. That That's a great story, Cliff. Yeah, you Absolutely. and I... 
We'll have a conversation next time I get to travel over to Orlando from St. Pete. I'd like to sit down with you a little bit. Yeah, that'd be great. So, so let's talk about what's happening today. Cause you mentioned you've, you've managed through crisis before Mm -hmm. and that's a huge advantage for you. So let's, let's start, let's talk about maybe like early March. It's becoming apparent to all of us. I mean, Susan had to take some drastic actions with staffing, you know, as far as were we working from home or were we working, you know, in the office? What did the, uh, what did the association have to do at that time to get ready for all of this? So we were able to see this happening and coming. Um, we, the Association of Realtors, uh, it's not just confined to Orlando. We have a lot of global business that we do. and We started to see things happening globally. Um, mm-hmm. You start to see your markets dry up and you start to hear, I've got Chinese realtors. Um, I've got people here that are members from all over the world. And my, the people in my ear aren't just Floridians. They're, they're telling me what's going on. And so what we did was we began to tell our people um, to just stay calm, first of all. Uh, I remember when this started hitting and and the, the leaders were coming to me, Cliff, what do we do? What do we do? And because I'd already had the, the hindsight of what happened years ago when the market crashed in the panhandle because of the oil spill, I was able to say to the leaders, just relax. The current will take you where you need to go. Wow. When When this happens, whether it be the government, a lot of times people think we need to go out and do something. There's nothing you can do in an act of God. There's nothing you go out and affect. You didn't have the power to start it, and you don't have the power to finish it. But what you do have is the power to conduct and control yourself in the midst of it. So what I didn't want was for the realtors to run out and start doing stuff or thinking that they had to do stuff. The association was insulated. We began to, um, the first thing I did was I didn't close the doors, and I made it mandatory for my staff to come to work. Now, that was the exact opposite. But you see, I had almost 50 staff here, and I got 16,000 realtors. And with the 50 staff, people were wondering, Cliff, why aren't you telling people to go home? And the reason that I wasn't sending anyone home was, Bill, when you work, and Susan and Melanie will tell you, you spend more time at your job than you do at home with your friends, with your family. Well, for eight to 10 hours a day, I knew where my staff was. I had them quarantine right here at Aura. Turning them loose to go home was the thing that I feared the most. And so I kept them quarantined here at work for as long as possible until the local government said we had to stop working. And so at that point, I gave them all the speech, the one that, you know, fathers give their children when they go off to college. Listen, I don't know who you're going to meet or who you're going to come in contact with, but it's a big world out there. You know, (laughs) I want to stay home. Don't go out in the streets. And we, with our realtors, we began to tell our realtors immediately what the safe practices were, what not to do, and to make sure that we were present for the decisions made with local government. Again, with an act of God, you don't go out and do something. You react. But the, the thing you do the most is control the overreaction, Bill. And that was what was most important, stopping the overreaction. Yeah. Susan, you have a question? I have a statement. Apparently, Cliff has a hard stop at 10 o'clock. We have three minutes, so make good use of them, Bill. <laughs> hold on, hold on. I'm the boss. <laughs> just telling you that Christine just sent me a text. And it said, I got hard it too. Stop it. I'm just getting rolling, Christine. I'm just getting going. So I'm awesome. Just a few more minutes, but that's what we did. We, we literally... Okay. We, we reverse quarantine everyone in and let's sit tight for a while. Love that. So let's, let's talk about today. 
what, mm-hmm. what do you feel like we're at today, right? It feels like, you know, the state's opening. Um, I think I can tell you and Susan can tell you, Melanie can tell you that we've been doing business. And mm-hmm. actually, I think better than we all thought back in early March, right, Susan? Mm-hmm. And so I think, the, I think the realtors are feeling the same thing, that those that are working hard and, and, and um, are staying connected are, are having success today. Right. So what are, you, what, are you, what are you saying to your members? So let's talk about why they're being successful. Okay. If you picked up your telephone right now, and, and, and I think I did this with Susan in the past, and I told you to punch in airfare. Um, if you put in your app or your app store, then you punched in airfare. The first thing that's going to come up is Travelocity, with, uh, Expedia, uh, Cheap Tickets, Priceline. That's what's going to come up. The aggregators. What won't come up first is Delta. What, what, what won't come up first is United or uh, American because the aggregators have gotten into that space. The airline industry went digital a long time ago. And so you don't even think twice these days if you use Travelocity or Expedia excuse me, to book your flight. So consider this. When you pick up that phone today and you type in real estate, well, the first thing that comes up is Zillow. The first thing that comes up is Trulia. The first thing that comes up is uh, used to be Purple Bricks no longer, but Open Door, Offer Pad. But what doesn't f- come up first is Coal Banker. What doesn't come up first is ERA. What doesn't come up first is Remax. Because the aggregators are in that spot. The world had already migrated to an iBuyer platform. The digital platform was here. And my greatest fear was that my members were still in the old days. They were still back there trying to do things the old way. So in many ways, what COVID did, it forced my members into the digital age, the age that they were resisting, the age where the iBuyer was taking over the platform and realtors in terms of value were being replaced. Now they've been forced into the space that I wish they had been in three, four, five years ago. There's always the light at the end of the tunnel and the good thing that the acts of God will do for you. You never waste an act of God. Never waste an act of God. You're always supposed to grow when something like this comes your way. And so now the realtors are being forced into that digital space that they were avoiding. And guess what? They're thriving in it because the world had already been there, Bill. Everybody's been saying, come on, get your app. Come on, we're waiting. It's digital. It's on your phone. And they're like, no, I'm going to, I got 50 mail outs to put out here today. No, I'm going down to the YMCA network. No, I'm going to, no, nobody's there. Nobody's there. Jump on this digital platform. And so now I'm less worried about the iBuyer platforms because my members are finally doing the virtual open houses. We're doing Rony closings. We're doing all the things that we should have been doing anyway. And right. we're catching up with our industry. So that's the, that's the why of what's going on. You know, I th- Cliff, I love what you're saying. And I think that all that stuff they were doing at the why or they were doing, you know, with the mail outs, they can do that online. You just yes. got to take, take that relationship building and move it over here, right? Absolutely. You got it. So that's what's happening. I'm looking at this little renaissance happening and they don't even know that the renaissance is happening, but you're being, you know, the little chickadees are just being ushered into the direction that they were supposed to be going in anyway. This is the digital age and we were doing things in an analog environment. And so I'm very pleased. I'm not pleased about COVID, not at all, but I'm pleased at the growth that it's pushing our members into. Melanie, I know you understand. You see it happening. So I hope that helps some. Absolutely. Yeah. I think the quote of the day here is never waste an act of God. Absolutely. Never waste an act. Hurricane, tornado, they're they're just there to make us stronger, to bring us there. You know what? 
people, all the memes are joking about the divorces. You know, last night when I sat there and I looked at my kids actually talking to each other and the families that are coming together and spending time with each other, we're being blessed at the same time, y'all. It's, is your glass half empty or is it half full? How do you choose to see it? And my glass is half full and I see nothing but beautiful things happening as a result of this. People got sick, but now we're aware we're pulling together as a community and the realtor community is pulling together as well. Uh, you've got your finger on the pulse of what's happening in the Orlando region market. Mm-hmm. What, what, if, what does it look like over the last you know, month or so, couple months? And what, you know, if, uh, is there a way to project going forward? You cannot project because this is uncharted territory. Right. So you can only project, economists use the past to give a prediction of the future. So when an economist tells you that we're going to rebound and we're going to be here or there, they're not doing that because it's of some wizardry, wizardry or witchcraft. They've gone back 10 years, looked at the numbers, and now they're making predictions. There's no COVID to predict from, so I can't say yeah. what tomorrow uh, will be. I can tell you that we did experience the dip um, in our sales, but uh, April, the median home price is up significantly. Uh, the median price of an Orlando home sold in April was 263000 That's a 12% increase over last year. The, um, the average list to sell percentage in April um, is up 41% compared to 32%. Sales are up. April marks the first month that shows a uh, decrease in sales. And so this is the first month it's ever hit us. We sold um, 2,300 homes. And last year, I think we sold, that's about a 28% difference. But the showings, the listings, I'm the guy that I'm looking at lockboxes. So one of the things that I was doing, a little predictive analytics so that I could tell where the virus was going to be moving within the realtor atmosphere, I never told anyone, but I was actually looking at lockboxes. And I can tell when a house opens and closes, who's opening that house, who's closing that house. And I can take that from the person, the time that person, if they come up sick, and I can track their behavior all the way back to their office and know exactly who's doing what they're not supposed to be doing. They don't know Big Brother's watching. List lockboxes and lockbox activity never cut off. People were showing despite of, and uh, people are making money. So we experienced our dip. I think we're going to start, the governor's going to open back up for vacation rentals this week. And when he does that, people are going to start coming back into this community. And guess what, guys? Orlando is about to bust wide open and the, and the, the, the quarantine is going to end in the middle of summer and we're in the most visited city on earth. If you don't see the silver lining there, um, I expect us to rebound as quick as or faster than anyone else. What, what one piece of advice would you give a new agent just starting in the business? Um, sell out. Sell out to the business. There's no such thing as a secret agent. The only secret agent is James Bond. Everyone needs to know who you are and what you do. You are your first line of defense. You are the word of mouth. If you're expecting business to come to you, it's not going to happen. You go to business. You get out there and everyone needs to know who you are, what you do, and why they need to do business with you. If you're waiting on an app to do it for you, well, guess what? There's two million of them in the app store. You're nobody. If you're waiting on somebody to put you in the game, the game's going to keep on playing because the starters are already on the field. you got to get down there on the sidelines and say, put me in, coach. And you do that by raising your hand and saying, hey, here I am. I'm a realtor. I'm a title agent. I'm in mortgages. There's no such thing as a secret agent. Everybody in your circle knows what you do and what you can do for them and that you're ready to do it right now. And eventually, 
when you go out to the business, that's when you'll be successful in business. Susan, any questions for uh, Cliff? I just think this was amazing. And I'm not going to ask you another question because I am the one that got the text from Christine saying that you have a hard <laughs> stop at 10. <laughs> so this is what I want to say to you, Cliff, where you came from, the journey that you've been on and where you are and where you're going to take us. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. So thank That's you so awesome. much. Thank you, Susan, Melanie, Bill. You've been outstanding. Listen, guys, there's no reason to think of anything negative is coming our way. And when it does, you mow through it. Um, I've seen so much worse than this. But I remember the day when we fought and we declared we got well over a billion dollars in stimulus for the realtors to survive in the panhandle. Um, we're in the busiest in most visited city on earth, Central Florida is. St. Pete, you've got the most beautiful beaches over there. We're going to be blessed as a result of this. And, and like I said, you never waste an act of God. For those who see it and come out of it, they're going to come out stronger, hungrier, better. Our community is getting ready to be good. And those who never hibernated, they're making money now. Their phones are ringing now. So don't go out and tell that sad story about who didn't get the big piece of chicken when you were young and, and all this. And I didn't. nobody wants to hear that. People want to hear that you can make it, I can make it, we can make it, we're going to do it together, and that we're awesome, we're a team, and that together we can't be beat. Tell them that. Lead them. I've seen the pits of despair, and I know what it's like to climb your way up out of it, and I told my God, hey, I'll never do that again if I ever get back on my feet, and I'm on my feet, and I don't have a sad story to tell anymore, only about how good life has been to me. I've got the same amount of people died in my life as everyone else, the same amount of people who tried drugs, the same amount of people who've been in car accidents, the same amount of people who've gone through all the tragedies. But you know what? I choose to see that God's been good to me. And I see the rainbows and not the rain clouds. So I want you guys to tell them rainbows, not rain clouds. Life is good. And if you ever need me or want me to come back on this show again, I am yours. Cliff, how do people get in touch with you? Reach out to me. I'm Cliff L at OrlandoRealtors.org. Cliff L at OrlandoRealtors.org, or you just call Susan. She knows my number. I'll see right. you at ballet class later. <laughs> no, you won't. No, you won't. Don't you ever tell anybody else about that. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Sessions podcast. To leave a review or a rating, go to ratethispodcast.com slash RE Sessions. You can also subscribe to the podcast at your favorite podcast listening app. Finally, you can go to therealestatesessions.com and subscribe to our email newsletter and be notified whenever a new episode is released. Hey.